0: welcome back my friends to the Mail right Real Estate Agent podcast show. This is episode 97 and I'm Thomas J Nelson with co-host Jonathan Denwood and our special guest today Jamie Hopkins of Team Metro. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Thomas. And we're glad to have you here. Would you uh, give our audience a uh, maybe 30 60 seconds on who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. Again, I'm a downtown broker. My office is located just north of uh, uh, the downtown area in the mid midtown area, we call it. Um, I've been a real estate agent for 27 years. Um, just because I'm downtown, I work all over the county uh, following the Buffini systems, and we teach that in our office here at Team Metro. So we have about uh, 12 agents now working for our company. It's a small little boutique company just Doing a referral-based
0: business. Nice. All right, and Jonathan, before we get underway, you want to tell the folks who you are?
2: Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder, CEO of Mailrite. It's a company that provides automated systems that allow you to utilize the power of Facebook more effective in getting quality leads for you, the agent or boutique brokerage.
0: And I'm Thomas J. Nelson, residential realtor here in San Diego, California, where I'm never too busy for your referrals, and I'm serving the coastal areas, uh, commonly known as UTC La Jolla, uh, and I specialize with military clients. Um, I'm going to jump back over to our guest, Jamie Hopkins. I've got a lot of questions for you, Jamie, and I, again, thank you for being on our show today. You're
2: welcome.
0: So you mentioned you've been in real estate for 27 years. Is that correct? That's correct. And what was your first brokerage did you work for?
1: Uh, I worked for a uh, company called the Jelly Company, which was located. Uh, it was based in Del Mar, and they opened in those years in 1990. They were expanding. We had just hit a uh, market high, and Joe Jelly. Had, had planned on putting about fifteen offices around the county, and so I joined the one actually in Oceanside initially, even though I lived down in this area.
0: Okay, and then um, eventually, um, now did you end up at Remax?
1: I did. Joe Jelly, that company went belly up basically, and a gentleman named uh, last name was David Bigley, well David Bigley opened up the Bigley Group in Mission Valley, so transferred there, and then was recruited by the Mission Valley Remax max office in okay. 94. 94.
0: Okay. 94. Now, and the reason I'm leading you there is because um, obviously you have uh, mentioned already the Buffini and Company systems, and this is uh, where I'm assuming you ran into Brian Buffini.
1: Correct. Yeah. I met Brian in 1994, 95. He was uh, an agent in that office. Correct.
0: Okay. Now, I mean, those of us in the real estate world know Brian. um, You know, he's he's a big personality, um, celebrity, if you will. Uh, But back then, um, is Brian just another agent in the office to you at that point?
1: He's another agent in the office uh, that was doing big numbers. You know, we had the boards up in the, uh, the common areas of that office. So, you know, he, he was he was slapping uh, transactions up, a lot of transactions. I mean, my guess at that point, he was probably doing in that 80 to 100 range. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, he's putting seven, eight, nine transactions a month on that board. So it was impressive. And, you know, watching him um, do that with a lot of grace and ease, you know, it was, uh, it was interesting. I was, I'd watch him and he was not stressed out. So he was by far the top producer in that office. And, uh, he was always, he always had time to lend a helping hand, which was nice. And, uh, and still pop out those big numbers so that I was, I was intrigued and wanted to learn from him.
0: So, and then at that point, uh, this is where your friendship and your mentorship, if, if, is that fair to say a mentorship formed with them?
1: Yeah, it was kind of loose. Thomas actually, you know, he, uh, he knew I wasn't in a good place. I was chasing expired listings and cold calling, doing all the things that at that time in the industry, that's what we were taught to do. Right. Even the comp, yeah, the Remax, uh, office was, that's how, that's what they taught. And, um, you know, the, the leaders of the day, you know, was, you know, chasing expireds, open houses, cold calling, you know, that kind of a mentality. And so he, uh, he must have saw something in me, I guess, and took a, uh, took some attention to me and said, You know, let me, let me help you. And I was open to the help. So whatever he told me to do, I just did it. I did not question it. And he was helping a lot of people in the office. He was very resolute in how he felt his business uh, was the best thing for the client. And he himself, you know, doing it that way where it was a, just about serving the client. He had a very successful business and, and he tried to teach that to others. And he was, remember he was bucking the system of the day. right? So agents would, you know, they, they, I think they liked what he heard, but they do, they wouldn't stick with it. So yeah. I stuck with it and I didn't question it. I just went on pure faith.
0: So that to me is a difference maker there because I mean, I, I mean, I've, uh, worked with Ryan's coaching for the last 17 years of my career. And I know that I've probably extended my results <laughs> because of not sticking with it. What, what is it in you that, I mean, is it just the way you're built or was, I mean, cause you, you were coming from the extreme other side of the, the industry, you know, cold calling and, uh, chasing expires and, and all the, all the stuff that we do that, um, you know, really is the drudgery of the business, I think, but a lot of agents do it still. And what, what, what converted you though? I mean, you you were talking about how it made sense to you and you took it on blind faith, but I mean, what, what was in you that you just took up? you just went with it without any questions?
1: Well, I think it's principle-based business practice. Serve the client and it's going to come back to you. So it's having that faith that, that you do the right thing, you do uh, you do stuff for people and clients that you're not necessarily getting paid for a lot of times. You know, it's about giving right. and and the law of reciprocity, and it comes back to you. And so, I, and I believe in that. And I, you know, my outlook on people are that you know they're they're going to give back. You give, they're going to give back. I mean, there's always takers in the world, Thomas. But I I bought into the uh, into the philosophy that that's the right way to treat people. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a simple guy. It, it To me, it, it worked. I had results from it. I mean, it didn't – there was a curve, you know. It took a while, and there was times – that I, you know, I had my doubts too, you know, and, and Brian was there to kind of shore up those doubts, which is nice. And he'd catch me in the parking lot because he was watching, you know, he, mm. he was, he was investing his time in me. So he was, you know, keeping a read on me. So he felt that I was wavering and there was times I did, um, because everybody was, they were all naysayers. You right. Know, and, uh, and I stuck with it. So, it just, I keep, I do the same thing, you know, and we have, we get bombarded, as you know, in this industry of all the newfangled uh, ideas that come out and maybe it's the maturity of my database. I don't know. I mean, I have all different age groups, you know, but it, but it works for my database. Okay. So I keep doing the same thing and, I, and the referrals keep coming and I continue to serve great people and, yeah it works so I I mean you know this I'm not a Facebooker. I don't do the snapchatty all that all that stuff that everybody does I maybe I don't have to do it I just yeah it takes away from being able to stay in close contact with especially the clients that you're working with currently Than you know trying to think of all these new things it works for me and I'm not going to
0: change my system Okay, I appreciate you sharing that because I know we all struggle with uh, whatever coaching we do, we like to use. I mean, but I mean, you and I share a common coaching company and Buffini and Company, and uh, right. you know, it. When you hear it taught, it's perfect sense, but it's another thing to put it in practice. So I appreciate you sharing uh, what you went through with it. But you're getting the results, um, and I, yeah, and, and I, I'm not,
1: I'm not executing it perfectly, Thomas. You ah. know, it's, it's like. <laughs> You know, there's no way. I, uh, I mean, my coach. Uh, there's times I disappoint her. You know, where I don't do everything I should be doing, um, but I'm doing a, as much as I possibly can. You know.
2: Okay. Can I ask? Uh, can I ask a question of Jamie, actually, Thomas? Please do. Um, so, Jamie, what would you say are like two to three core pillars of the Perfini system in your mind that um, are keys to it
1: um to me definitely the no cards and that's a combination of uh ber- i do the birthday cards so i'm i'm sending birthday cards religiously and calling somebody on their birthday i mean it most of us if you remember your last birthday you probably can uh remember who called you and remembered it was your birthday right and so for me i want to be one of those people that do that you know that they they have call me on my birthday. I do it first thing in the morning. You know I'm usually one of the first people that call somebody on their birthday. So that's a, that's an, a very important thing. Um, consistent uh, uh, events work for me. I do movie days, and we do a couple of cocktail parties um, that are successful. I mean we have our we have a our Acapulco party, we call it, uh, which is the Friday before 4th July. And I think this is our 22nd year anniversary of that event on that night in that location. All right. So there's a consistency there and people... You know the clients know that that's going to happen, and so it's it's consistency in those things. They're going to get a call from me on their birthday. They're going to get pumpkin bread just before Thanksgiving, and they're probably going to have a couple margaritas with me just before (laughs) Fourth July. So.
0: You, you know, and I, I appreciate you sharing that, Jamie, because, um, I mean, I, I, I'm i a local San Diegan, so I, I, I have access to your numbers, and I see the numbers you put up. Uh, it's through our MLS. And one could say, well, Jamie probably doesn't do all that goofy stuff. Um, he's putting up these million-dollar properties. But I love hearing that a, a top-producing agent uh, is still doing the fundamentals like that because – you know, do, doing the parties and the notes and the Popeyes and things like that—a lot of that's—I think that's what takes the biggest hit um, because people don't see the value in spending the time doing that. Um, I don't think they they project the results that come from that. Would you say that's a fair statement?
1: Yes, and with our new agents, it's the most difficult uh, connection you try and make that there's going to be an activity that there's not a uh, a. Dr- Direct monetary benefit for it.
0: Exactly. So it's
1: just it's this compounding of, of receiving a mailer, sending a, a thank you card, uh, a follow up phone call. It's it's that whole thing that is not quantifiable. That you have to have faith. And so, if you're going to quit after six months. You know, all that effort that you put forward, sometimes it hasn't come into fruition.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, You know, I wanted to ask you, we're we're talking about now 23 years ago, you meet Brian. 23 years later, and we talked about this before the show, uh, you tend to cringe when Brian points you out at uh, our events because uh, not only does he use you as an example of working the system well, but you happen to be his personal realtor. Does that right. does that put a lot of pressure on you or is Brian like any other client because you've known him so long I mean is there any special pressure you feel of being his personal agent actually
1: not from him or bev uh, I see when I look at him I see him uh, as a guy that I met 23 years ago right that's and, and that's and that is all that's a, it's a very relaxed relationship that way. The pressure probably really comes from everybody knowing, and this is why I don't <laughs> like to be pointed out. Right. Is that everybody around, you know, they're like, they know that if I screw that up, it's not a good thing, right? And so it, it's probably more of that the pressure of everybody else waiting to see if I'm going to slip. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. But, you know, Brian and Bever are. are regular uh, buyers in the sense that all the stuff that our are the normal people go through you and me and everybody else. uh, They're the same. It's the same. And so, you know, yeah.
0: Does that, um, does, does having that background with Brian put you, you think in a better position to work with high profile clients? Do you feel comfortable in general? Uh,
1: Yeah, I do actually. I do feel comfortable with that. I don't, I don't have a, like, I don't have any movie star impress. I don't like to be on stage. I don't, uh, you know, that, I don't have that awe, you know, where a lot of people have that with Brian, you know, a lot of people, you know, I don't have that. Maybe cause I've known him for that many years, but in general speaking, I don't, I don't have that. So working with somebody in that higher price range, I just treat them as a normal human being.
0: That's a good point. So I, well, and, I mean, and I've known you for about 14 years now, and, and that's one of the things that's always struck me about you is how humble you are. And, I mean, you, you could have the biggest ego going because of the notoriety you get uh, attached with the Buffini family, yet you're right. one of the most humble guys I've ever met.
1: Um, yeah, it's just because we're just doing a normal thing. We're, yeah. we're just helping people. So it's uh, just because somebody's a high-profile client doesn't mean that your identity is attached to that. Right? I cool. And there'd be, there, yeah. there'd be some high profile people I probably would not want to work with because if they had a huge ego, Thomas, I'm telling you, yep. that would not jive with me. That would not be an enjoyable experience for me. And you know by my numbers, I'm not doing multi-multi-million dollar transactions. I mean, I, I have a lot in that range, but San Diego is in that range. So it's right. only a byproduct of where we live.
0: Right. Well, and that's the other thing that I like about you is you didn't become one of those agents that only work with such and such because, I mean, I've shown properties of yours in the millions and I've shown properties of yours out in Spring Valley in a few hundred yeah. um, You know, it's, uh, you know, I, and, and the points I'm getting at is, I mean, we don't have to lose ourselves in all that. I mean, we, at the end of the day, we're serving people, aren't we? And, and it, no matter yes. what their background is.
1: Exactly. And, you, you know, you, every person, I mean, their, their value is equal in a sense or a human being. So yeah. if you treat people that way, and I think a lot of times the high profile people, that celebrity that they experience, you know, they, they want to be treated just like a human being yeah. and they have the normal, they have the same fears and concerns that we have.
0: So absolutely. Well, look, I want to ask you a question about uh, Team Metro because uh, now you were instrumental, whether you realized it or not, in getting me to move to San Diego. Um, 14 years ago, you and my bride and I sat and had a breakfast in Mission Valley, and you were kind of the final linchpin in our decision to move down here. And uh, so when I came to work here, I came to work at the company you were at, One Source Realty back then, uh, which I right. think was, was – didn't that evolve from the old Remax office?
1: It did. It went from a REMAX to a Better Homes and Gardens to a, I guess, One Source Realty. And yep. I think it changed again after I left.
0: Yeah, to Cova Banker.
1: Banker. yeah correct.
0: So in 2000, I get there in 2003, and then in 2004, I noticed you exit and <laughs> Team Metro began. So is that about right? It was 2004 you started Team Metro? Uh,
1: yes. I'm trying to think of my daughter. Yeah, 2004, exactly. That's when that was.
0: And that was with uh, Lee Schwartz, correct, your partner? Correct, and we're still business partners today.
1: But that, that move, Thomas, was, it was really not a planned move. We were, our intention was to stay there, grab more office space through Seaman, um, which he was unable to give us as our team was, where it was growing, and he didn't want us to open a satellite office of his.
0: Ah, uh, okay. And you're referring to Greg Seaman, our former broker. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so so that was kind of a forced move because you, you couldn't make it work within. So, that, and that's what I wanted to get to is, what was that like, leaving, leaving the nest, so to speak, and starting your own office in, in those early days of the office?
1: You know, it was exciting. We were trying to lease space uh, outside. Actually, Greg was going to allow us to do it. We just could have signage out there. We could go get office space somewhere else in town, work out of that that satellite office but have no signage so we we were as we were trying to lease some spaces we were trying to, we went out to the Starbucks space on Washington right at Goldfinch they turned us down um, there's three or four others around town and then we and Lee actually said Jamie why don't we try and buy a building I'm like what are you talking about he's like yeah let's I think we can do this we can pull it off you You know, you could sell a couple of those little condos in Mission Valley. I've got that duplex over in South Mission. And we started looking at commercial real estate and um, looked at several buildings kind of in this area. And this building came up and uh, cut a deal with the, the Burke was actually the owner and wrote a contingent offer selling three different properties to buy this building. so we kind of fell into it because we couldn't get anybody to lease to us.
2: Wow. And it was, it,
1: it was exciting. You know, it's, it was, uh, I mean, at that point there was four of us and we were uh, hungry and excited and it, it was, it was not scary, Thomas. It really wasn't. And we left on great terms with Greg and, uh, you know, he was kind of bummed that we left, but it was, it was the move that we were doing just like when he came here, you know, so yeah.
0: from Alaska. So when you, when you, um, when you go all in, <laughs> I, I should mention that that office you bought is what, in Bankers Hill area, isn't it?
1: It's a, well, it's a middle town. So
0: yeah, you're right by the flight path.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm right underneath the flight path. Yeah, it's a very, yeah. in, very inexpensive commercial building. Yeah. Yeah. Yes,
2: folks, the, the American Air Force has joined in the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> so but now here you are all in. I mean you you've you've left a brokerage, you've started your own, and you you just bought a building. Um what are the um, what are the trials and tribulations in year one? Like, were there were there any struggles, or did, I mean, did it just hit the ground running?
1: Uh, yeah, there were struggles. You know, it, it always costs more than you think it does to mm-hmm. to build out TIs and the timing. And for months, we worked in this building with it wrapped in brown paper, you know, because <laughs> we didn't have our finals, so we didn't want to get caught uh, actually running a business out of this office so uh, that was our plan you know there's probably there was a little stress obviously with the money um, you know but it, it ironed out after that first year and you know we we would uh, we don't actively and have never actively recruited other agents they've come in because somebody's referred them to us so over the years we have people come and go and even today uh, we take We, if somebody has referred to to us, we try them on, you know. We interview them, talk to them, find out what their, um, you know, what their expectations are. You know, we explain our, the way we run this office, which is, as you know, just we're we're dug into the Buffini thing, and if it's not the right fit, then we pass. So uh, right now we have four uh, agents that have been in the business under a year. Wow one time. We, that's it, we've never had that many, but they're all good, you know, strong referrals. We believe in them, and we're willing to invest in them.
0: So, and And do they all conform to the buffini training in some way, shape or form, or do you require them to have a coach?
1: They don't have to have a coach initially, and that's it's usually a cost thing, you know, right. in the very beginning. But they have to do the basic. You know, they're going to sign up for the blue box or whatever it's called today. Right. Uh, access to the CRM. Um, it's kind of our program. If they're going to come here and they want to buy Zillow leads and do some of this other stuff that's strictly internet based, we are not the right company. We don't right. teach it. I can barely even. You know, I was fumbling trying to get this. <laughs> podcast on this morning you know what I mean I'm just we don't teach that so the young guys kind of fold some of that in and that's their generation which is great but it's right. really it's really truly based on a referral graffiti based uh, business with their generation using some of those tools to uh, to build a database and uh, but they're doing the fundamentals no different okay. than what you and I do every day And they come in, and yes sir, we had our meeting at 11, and they're they're giving us their accounting for the week, no different than what our coaches
0: do with us. Awesome. I know we have to take a break for uh, our sponsor, Jonathan, so I'll let you do that, and then we'll come back to Jamie.
2: Oh, that's great, folks. We're going to go for our break, and we'll be back in a minute, folks. Having a great discussion with Jamie, we're learning more about his experiences in the real estate industry. Off you go, Thomas.
0: All right. So my question is: um, Giving, if you had to do it over today, with the popularity of teams, would you still go out and open a brokerage, or would you just do a team, or or what's your thought on the, how the teams have evolved these days versus a brokerage?
1: Yeah, we. Well Thomas, I and maybe this is a misconception. You know, we, we call ourselves Team Metro. Everybody is is working independently on their on their own business, no different than what you are here, Greg Newman, right? But we work because this office is so intimate and tight. You know, if somebody's going out on vacation, everybody's kind of stepping in. So, I don't know of another company that the agents uh, help each other the way we do and share information so freely. I I don't know of one. So that our team is is that. You know, it's not that Jamie Hopkins has three buyers agents and this and that. I don't. That's not. I don't have a team like that.
0: Interesting. So it sounds like a fun culture to work in because you, you could uh, essentially have a personal life and still have a good career without having to lose that work-life balancing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we, 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 have, we want people to take their days off and, you know, stay healthy and take time to spend with their family and their loved ones. And um, that's all part of it. It keeps everybody at the top of their game because they're not sacrificing everything
0: in real estate. I'm glad you said that because I, I constantly beat the drum and probably debate the most with agents over the value of a day off. Um, I, I don't, what, what is your regular day off?
1: I take off Sundays and I work yeah. really hard not to work on Saturdays, but I probably work every other Saturday out of necessity you know, for scheduling with clients.
0: And how many vacations a year do you take?
1: Uh, this year I went to Costa Rica uh, right after Christmas through the 10th of January, um, I will do a Bass Lake trip with my family before everybody disperses off to college. <laughs> and then my, my daughter's doing, she's going abroad to Scotland uh, for her, you know, for college, and Kelly and I are gonna go over there uh, just before Thanksgiving.
0: Wow, so, and so little, th- three. Nice, uh, you know, it, look, you mentioned your family, uh, Kelly's your wife, and you have how many daughters? I have
1: two daughters and two sons.
0: Two sons, so four kids total. Um, And when you're with them on vacation, would it ever occur to you to check in with the office or do any deals while you're on vacation?
1: Um, I have my business covered, but yeah, there's times I would do that. When I was in Bass Lake, uh, I mean, I was in Bass Lake when Brian closed escrow uh, on one of his properties a few years back. Mm. So there's times I'm, I'm... I'm stepping in, it's not a complete black and white uh, uh, exit out of the business. So in Costa Rica, I was off the grid. So I was not, I had something cover me and and I was unable to check it, which is probably a good
2: thing.
0: Yeah. So there's times where you're off the grid and there's times where you might have to step in and monitor it, but I mean, it sounds like it's a limited basis. It's, I mean, vacation's vacation because you disconnect from the office essentially.
1: Yes. But sometimes you do, you do have to step in. I mean, I just covered David Espinoza. He was, uh, he was in Europe for three weeks and, and he would, uh, he would check in. And if I felt like he had to touch one of his clients, mm. then he would touch them, Okay, which is kind of what I would do. You know, if I, if they thought it was necessary, I would do that. Okay. And I, st- and I step away you know, I, I mean, I'll sit in front of my house, Thomas, I don't know if you do this, you know, to finish up those calls. So I'm walking in to my home in front of my wife and my kids and not, uh, not with a phone at, on my ear.
0: Yeah, no, I so. agree. I mean, I I, I try to, to leave the office at the office, but I, I'm glad you brought it up. It's not total black and white. I mean, it's an organic thing, but I mean, it's, it's something to strive for is to, you know, cause your family deserves the best of you as well. And, and, and it, you really can't give 100% to your family if, if you're spending the whole time checking in with the office. So there's a, a balancing act there.
1: There's a balancing. I mean, it, you know, if I'm feeling that I need to check in with somebody because of where they are emotionally in a transaction, right. you know, I'll, I'll step away. And that, that by doing and taking five minutes to place that call, then my family does get 100% of me because I if I'm worrying about what's happening back at home, Right. then they're not getting 100% because I'm not there.
0: Right. you got to so, clear the headspace. Yeah. Yes. Well, I want to bring something up. Um, I actually hadn't planned to do this, but um, it, it, we had some news this week, and you brought up Zillow. Uh, Zillow just launched Instant Offers, uh, and that's uh, a pilot program I believe in Nevada and Florida right now where uh, I guess there's 15 um, – High, uh, you know, high-level investors that are willing to uh, purchase uh, people's homes online um, through Zillow's f- format. Are you familiar with this launch this week? I
1: have heard nothing about it.
0: Yeah, it's brand new. <laughs> so basically, what uh, it's connecting uh, 15 major Wall Street investors to Zillow Premier agents that have access to um, bid on um, being the agent to facilitate the process. Cause Zillow still wants to keep an agent involved, although they don't require it. But ultimately, this is a game changer. Um, they're mm. trying it out in Nevada and Florida right now. Um, you know, but you know, knowing Zillow, it's, w- 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 knowing this now, that you, I know you're just hearing it for the first time, but I mean, where do you see Zillow? Um, I mean, I've always seen it as more of a tool than a threat. But when they do stuff like this, it's hard not to take a step back and wonder how far they're going to take it.
1: So let me understand this. So an investor can go online and buy a house purely as an investment, not as a I'm going to move into it, correct? The,
0: the way I'm understanding it is that, and it's these it, it's these 15 investment firms. Um, they're already predetermined, or at least they're in the pilot program. And then um, they, if they like the property, yes, they will invest in it. Um, um, and my understanding is it, it's either a buy and hold or, a, or it's possibly a, a wholesale deal that they're gonna um, resell. I I don't know all the uh, nuts and bolts of it yet, um, but I do know that it's, it's essentially an app that you go through to, you can post photos and criteria of your home and the details of your home, and then that goes to the investors, and then it also goes out to these predetermined premier agents that have access to bid on being the agent to facilitate the transaction and um, essentially they pair the agent with the investors if the homeowner wants representation. If they don't, they want to for sale by owner it, then they can work direct with the investors. And the you know, it's not a done deal. The investors still have to make a decision, yay or nay, but I just think it's an interesting. Uh, yeah. P- <laughs>
1: I, I don't feel threatened by that, Thomas. I think, you know, somebody's going to put their house on the line on the on line to have somebody bid on it. They too have a right to accept or or uh, or not accept it based on, and it's going to be on price because they're right. obviously going to do that because they feel like it's going to save them money. So the investor wants to obviously get as low as possible. The seller wants the opposite side of
0: that. Right. Uh,
1: yeah. I, Personally, to me, it's no different than us You're going to buy a multi-unit property investor. You're not going to look at the inside of that. People are going to write bids on it, so they're going to do it. The platform is Zillow, and they're going to bid on something they're not going to. They haven't seen yet, and it's it's going to be be based only on the numbers. I don't feel threatened by that at all.
0: I didn't expect you would be, and, I, and that was kind of the point of bringing it up because no. the reason I'm bringing it up is because um, those that have been aware of it, and, and I, I posted this to get some feedback um, within the Buffini Network on Facebook, and it, there's a lot of mixed reviews, but it's funny. A lot of the Buffini agents um, didn't see it as a threat at all because of the way we're trained, yeah. but all the non-Buffini agents, they're running around with Chicken Little. The, uh, the sure. sky's falling. So, yeah,
1: they they look at the pie and they're like, <laughs> and they are looking at all these slices being taken out from other things, and yeah, uh, that's not the way you and I view the world. So right. to me, the pie keeps
0: getting bigger, and yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I want to uh, ask. Go, go ahead, Jonathan.
2: I was going to ask a, a question of um, Jamie. Um, obviously, you got the um, national franchise franchises. That have developed over a number of years and have dominated the industry to a certain degree, and then you've got uh, boutique agencies like which you run. Um, where do you see the franchise agencies going? Because I actually, I'm not too sure in the age of the internet and also utilizing the one-to-one personal systems that you have successfully utilized and encourage your agents to use, that you really um, need to be part of a, a, a national um, chain, really. What, what's your feelings around that, Jamie?
1: I think we, we have our agents. We want them to, to promote themselves and their relationship with their client. So, you know, a lot of the, the folks in the big franchises, they're they're selling the company and what the company will do. It, it's really just a tool, you know, that I think the, the big name... companies use you know the fluff i think in our business you know i had a i had a list in carlsbad that expired over i i let it expire over the week and i'm gonna refresh it this morning and put it back on but you know my client was inundated with these calls and texts yeah. you know and and so she gets this text which she forwards me this agent i work for this company and this is our international reach and it went on it was a very impressive text to get and i and her name's fawn she says should i should you know what's your take on this? And I said, I go there. It's a it's a hook. You know they're using what they have, and so I think that the big companies. I, Team Metro is not a hook. I you know we're not a Berkshire Hathaway or Century Twenty One or co Bank or we're not that. Um, so I go on to uh, home whatever our little app is. I don't even know the name of it, but I know I, to, I know how to work it. I can pull. I pull up the agent. And he sold, that's his production. And she's like, really? I said, really? And I went on the MLS. And then I pulled it, pull it up. And because one of his pitches was, you don't have to reduce your price. You know, you you leave your price where it is. It's, it's not that. I, I don't remember how it was termed. It was basically, you know, your, your property is expired. Well, probably did sell because it was overpriced, which my house I had on was a little too high. That's why I did sell. So I am going to be asking for a price reduction on it. So anyway, he had a house on there that he started off at a million eight seven five, and it ended up selling for a million three.
0: dollars <laughs>
1: So, I, you know, showing this to my client, I go, it's just what you're reading, what you see is is not always the reality of what it is. Yep. So, yeah.
0: And well, you make a great point too, because, you, you know, some agents would have been taken aback by that text message and felt the threat. You did the next natural thing that I think a lot of agents forget to do, and that's, go do your research go do the due diligence is this guy for real or is this claim for real i mean one of the things about our industry is it's hard to bs people because all our numbers are right there it's yes. public
1: <laughs> it's public knowledge so, yeah. but 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 the but the the uh, the general public doesn't know that right the seller that had their house just come off the market is is going to be subjected to all that. And so right. all these people are, you know, I talked to another agent that she sent me, Oh, this guy, Jamie, he, uh, he says he he didn't get a chance to write an offer on my house before it went off the market. And he's a, <laughs> and he's a buyer too. And I, and I know the conversation, I get him on the yep. phone. He, he has no record. It's been about two hours since he called my client and talked to her and he can't remember her house because he's just going down the expired list. Right, And I go, Joe, so you're just calling expires, right? Yes. No problem. It's, it's under contract. It's going back on the market on Monday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: well, and that's the challenge, I think, in our, our industry is we're, we're always trying to um, de- detoxify, demystify our clients because there is so much hype out there.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I felt it was important to show her... What she's seen, because I think there was a part of her that was hooked. I mean, right. Thomas, I had a, you know,
0: and that's, so, yeah, it's easy to do. Um, well, you know, bringing that up, well, let me ask you this, because I mean, you've obviously been in the industry a while and you're successful. So, what is what if if I'm a brand new agent coming to you and I'm getting hired on the team mentor today? What's your advice to me? What or how am I getting started to, on the right foot with you?
1: You're getting started by uh, believing in what the way we teach the Buffini way is the right way. And that aligns with your own personal uh, principles and, and how you want. want your future business to shadow us since they can kind of see what we do. So if, if that's not sexy enough for them, then they go somewhere else. So if they decide to stay, so we have four of these, uh, agents that have decided that's what they're going to do. So they're going to join the Buffini thing. They're going to pay for all their dues. They're going to get their open house signs. They're going to, uh, put everybody they know into their database, AB and CM. It's all this, it's back to the fundamentals. So we're teaching right. them that stuff from the beginning. A couple of these agents have come in i mean brand new thomas new to san diego new to the industry and so we're putting them in front of people on open houses we're having them uh door knock and this is i mean we're, we're building a database we have to get their a database built and we got to get them meeting and getting face to face with people right the two agents we had we have Two agents started the very, very, both those guys in their, in 2016, as they hit 2016, one of them, uh, sold 13 houses that first year and the other one, 15, one was 150 in gross. The other was 180 in gross. That's first year. So yeah, interesting. So the one, one of them, Mike, he actually signed up to do the first year program again because yes, because his database, and he'd done so many open houses and met people, you know, it just, and it keeps unfolding like this. He, he did, he's done like seven in one complex in Mission Valley. Wow. Because he's he's being super diligent in the follow up, you yep. know, and he's working the he gets a listing in there, he's knocking everybody in his in his complex. It's kind of it's farming in a sense, but mm-hmm. in a referral based, uh, long term relational way. And that's the difference. And I actually think the hybrid of a geographic referral business is smart because it, you know you get this compounding effect. Um, I'm all over, you take my database, Thomas. You dot it all over the county. It's it blankets it, right? It's hard right. for me to get to everybody, right? So, well,
0: you know, and you may have answered this, and I know we're, we're coming up on our time here, but um, what? Out, let's let's step outside of Buffini um, for a minute. Um, so we both don't sound like we totally drank the Kool Aid. Okay. Let's be sipping the folks. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> um, but the what what are you seeing going on in today's market that's impressing you um, outside of the Buffini world? Mm. What What are agents doing that you think they're doing right?
1: today and i feel this more so kind of uh centered i think there's a higher level of professionalism today than what i saw five years ago that's what i see i see uh especially the folks that that went through the recession and weathered that i think it it was humbling to a lot of agents and i see a lot more, um, I think the ego part of our business, I'm not encountering it at all. The only place I encounter it is in some, if you're dabbling in some commercial real estate, which I've had a little bit of that in last year, where there's still this, uh, you know, this hierarchy that these commercial guys feel like they're here above us, you know, and I, and I don't feel that, but that's that's the impression they want to put, that's what they play. But yeah. I see agents being super cooperative. You know, how, how can we make this work for our clients uh, at a high degree of, um, yeah, just professional good people. And it's a it, it's a great thing. It's like, wow, awesome transaction, awesome agent. Everybody's happy. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's what's impressing me. Because I remember back, you know, before just the egos, I still see it.
0: Yeah, I'm. I mean, egos chased one of my assistants out of real estate. She couldn't stand agents on the phone. Um, <laughs> I mean, she, that's what she literally told me. I can't stand talking to agents. <laughs> and, yeah. But you know, and then during the recession, of course, dealing with all the the stressed property and REO agents, that was a nightmare too. But I, I think you, you're right. It's you know, f- for guys like you and I that came through that, um, you know, it was humbling and and yes. it's. And you kind of appreciate each other more because you know you both weathered that storm. We both went through something together. So yes. I would agree yeah, with
2: you. One thing um, I like to say to Jamie and yourself, Thomas, is that I think at the core of what everything you've been saying in the conversation is that real estate is a relationship business. And it's about building up strong relationships with clients. So those clients feel that they're totally happy in referring somebody to you. And obviously a strong personal referral from a client um, to a friend or somebody they know, that cannot be beaten. But, But what technology is about, what it should really be about, It's about just doing all the things online that Jamie described that he does in his community through his managed events or, you know, ringing somebody up on their birthday. You know, what you mimic in the world, in the one-to-one real world, you should be mimicking online, which is about building up relationships and also helping you build your database. Yep. which is 101 you know it comes from the red book doesn't it really um, but yeah I don't what you Jamie what I've been surprised with the two and a half years that I've been at um learning about the real estate industry is that how many fund how many agents don't do the fundamentals in some ways are you still surprised by that
1: I am and you know we can the people, the folks that are not doing the fundamentals, it's showing up in their in their transactions by the end of the year. So yep. it's it's a very transparent. Um, and I tell this to the new agents when they step in and say, "Oh, I only got I only did half of what I should have." Okay, well, then if you stay on that course, then expect that you're going to reach about half of your the goals that you've set.
0: Yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean,
1: so it's, it's a, it's a perfect business in that way, Thomas, you know, it's what, what you invest in it. It's going to give you back over time.
0: Yeah, And then some, because I mean, I think Jonathan, you made a great point. It's it, technology is there to amplify what we're doing with people. Uh, It doesn't replace what we do with the fundamentals. Uh, It it amplifies it.
2: Well, everything just to push mail, right. A little bit, everything, everything in mail, right. has been designed, to help agent build up a database, but to keep online, to right, keep, keep them in touch, them. With, and try and, at the right moment, because clients have different. They they you know they move on average every seven years, so you have these very broad group of people with different at different points in their in their buying or selling um, um, timeline haven't you so it's about keeping those relationships going and being the chosen one when the client is ready isn't it Uh, that's what I feel I agree
1: yeah you you don't know when that's going to be and so that you've got to stay consistent and just at some point they're going to call you back typically
0: well, Jamie, I know you got to run because you're a busy guy, and I know you've got an inspection to get to. So i got to go. let you go. Um, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us on the podcast today and sharing your knowledge. Um, I feel like we've got a part two in you down the road. <laughs> um, but uh, – um, if people want to get in touch with you, how, what's the best way to reach out to you? How can people get a hold of you?
1: Uh, cell phone's probably the best, 619-250-6634. And if you have any questions, yeah, I'd be more than happy to
0: help. All right. And Team Metro has a website, teammetro.com. You can reach them there. Um, and Jamie's information will be up on the uh, podcast as well as on the website for MailRite. Uh, Jamie Hopkins, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jonathan, you want to tell people how to reach you?
2: Oh, it's really easy, folks. You can go to the Mel right website, have a look around, see what we're doing. We've got the exciting updates in the next couple of weeks, which um, hopefully I'm going to be talking about on the show. I'm really excited about that, but it's been a lot of hard work. Um, if you want to get hold of me personally, just email me at dot at com. Go to the Mel right Facebook page, leave a comment. Um, I'm reasonably easy to get a hold of, and I'm pretty friendly, aren't I, Thomas? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially after that first cup of tea. Grab <laughs> yeah. exactly. my tea, folks. Um, I just want to say one thing to finish the show, folks. Um, I was going—I was wanting to do it at the beginning, but I think it's best to do it at the end. Um, I just want to give my condolences and my heartfelt um, sorrow to the people in Manchester. That have lost their children to terrorism, um, that have were murdered yesterday, and um, the uh, murderers that did this terrible thing will be found and will have British justice applied to them.
0: Absolutely. Yes. All right, folks, on that note, we're going to sign off. Um, Again, I'm Thomas J. Nelson, residential realtor here in San Diego. I'm north of Jamie, so if you want to get a hold of me, I'm at Realtor.com or find me on social media. Uh, We'll see you next week on the Mail Right Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. And once again, Jamie Hopkins, thanks for blessing our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Thomas. All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.